Hello, hello everyone. Hello, hello. This is Sunday Recap of our weekly sermon podcast where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. For sermon recordings and more podcasts, visit begrace.org forward slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org. And we're going to introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Elliot. And then we have Dave and Chris and Kendrick. So if you guys want to tell us who you are. Hi, I'm Dave McMurray, teaching pastor at Grace Bible Church. I'm Chris Webster. I play music and send out emails. <laughs> I'm Kendrick, AV director at Grace Bible Church. And I'm Elliot, the ministry leader for Celebrate Recovery, and I just pinch hit when uh, Joy can't, can't be here. So, hey, I always like to do this. I always have a lot of fun. So, man, I'm excited. I think this was one of the... Man, I, I have to put this in the top five, Dave, of sermons that uh, that that, that uh, since I've I've been at GBC, um, wow. the, the title alone is provocative, and and you you know mm. you did you expo- you did great exposition on this, and I just really enjoyed it. So, the title of today's to, uh, yesterday's message was "Why We Betray Jesus," right? So, yes, sir. You want to kind of tell us a little bit about how you came to do this um, this sermon, this mm-hmm. title, mm-hmm. The, the whole thing? Yeah. So the the part of the story, we're in a series, so we're working through stories of the king, working through Jesus stories. So this is this part of the story, you know, I just kind of had to pick which gospel I was going to use. It's the betrayal. That was the week we were in and following along with the kids' story Bible, the Jesus storybook Bible. Um, and so I really liked, we just did John last year, finished John last year. And so John was really fresh in my mind. I really liked the way John handled this part of the story. He kind of focuses less on the betrayal of Judas and focuses more on the other characters. And so I felt like that kind of gave us more more to uh, work with as far as Christians relating to this passage and how we all betray Jesus. Because I think the other stories focus so much on Judas that we're all like, oh, well, he's he's this really terrible, obvious bad guy, and I'm not like that, you know. So, it's almost like it allows us to distance ourselves. Um, but this one, I felt like drew it home more to to Christians or to followers of Christ. Mm. So, so anyway, that's why I picked John 18 specifically. The betrayal concept was already picked for us just by the order of the plan, mm. and then I was trying to just think about how how that connects with where we are right now and. And you know, twenty first century life and the pandemic and all that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I did. You know, I was actually this because I, I think it's important. Like, what did you want us to walk away with? What was the big idea that mm-hmm. you wanted us to leave with as the listeners? Mm-hmm. Man, I I tried to start hard with this this big picture of Jesus is still in control even when he's being betrayed and dying for us mm-hmm. and. I think that gives us a vision of what it looks like to be living sacrifices, to die, to to die to self, to pick up our cross and carry it. You know, like, because all the ways we betray Jesus are thinking, there's no way that, that me dying for others is a good idea, you know? <laughs> I got to have money, I got to have power, I got to survive, um, but we see in Jesus just this... I mean, that's the other part I think I love about John 18. I think it's the only one of the four Gospels that show when the dudes came for him and he said, like, here I am, I am he, they all fell on their butts. You know, like, that's just crazy. That's, 
Like that's the kind of stuff you wish. Like, oh, I wish I could be like watching this happen. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that part's really cool. So I wanted us to, to come away with Jesus is worth following um, and trusting. Um, well, so Chris, well, how about you? How did it impact you? This this sermon, why we betray Jesus. Yeah, I'm. I thought, yeah. I mean, I loved it. I think it was a good. It's, it was interesting. I was. I was wondering about. Yeah, Dave. Dave ch- seemed to change his uh, title formula a little bit for this one. So yeah, mm, like yeah. you said, it, it hit a little harder, um, or it was a little more um, us us focused than I think mm-hmm. just just the king. But um, yeah, I think that was good. That pushes us into application land, and so I think. Um, I think it was great. I think it was a great way to, to read a story, you know, kind of like what we've been talking about, how to read a story and really kind of pull something out that is important for us to hold on to. And um, how, how do I how do I apply? How do I um, see see the ways that I relate to each character? And um, and so, yeah, I thought there were some really great points, maybe maybe a little too close to home for some people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, heard that. I saw in the comments. Dave's been, I don't know what he said, Dave's been watching me secretly in my <laughs> uh, knows what I've been doing. So, so obviously mm-hmm. I think, I think people, people felt convicted for sure. And I, and I hope, cause I know this is Dave's heart always is not just to feel convicted, but to, to let it push you to the end of yourself and, and to Jesus, you know, to not mm-hmm. just say, I need to fix, I just need to fix my behavior, but I need to have the right trust in place as the foundation. So. Oh, that's good. What about you, Kendrick? Yeah, the last part of what Chris just said is what I think. I walked away saying, okay, Jesus, help me to have some orthopraxy here. Oh, man, he said orthopraxy and went all the way. Mm, big word alert. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Man, you can't, no seminary words on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, I mean, it was really convicting uh, and. It, it, I, man, I think it was, it was real life. It was almost like, uh, man, like the, the word was just alive, if you will, for yeah. a word I can't find. But uh, even with everyday life, I think the biggest thing I try to leave with, especially for a Sunday, is um, okay. Uh, I have to see Jesus clearly in the scriptures mm-hmm. and then I have to find a way to submit to what Jesus is saying to us in the scriptures. And so I think for me, this is sometimes some of these sermons are like harder than others to ask Jesus to help you to submit to his word, but uh, it was definitely needed. Mm, amen to that. I mean, it's, this one impacted me a lot. To, like I said, just the title because it made me reflect. Like, man, how often do we do religious people betray Jesus? Like, we don't really do that kind of self examination. Just, and we would say, man, I'll never betray Jesus. But that's just like Peter, right? So, so, so I think we betray Jesus more than we really realize. So, I, I just really thank you for pulling this out and and challenging us. Um, and these points were so. Man, it was so profound. Like uh, we betray for money, we betray so that we can we can be king, and we betray to uh, survive. So, so Dave, you can uh, walk us through. I know you, your first illustration was pretty cool. You want to walk us through your um, initial illustration and kind of set mm-hmm. us up for, uh, I guess, for which the, the first point. Yeah, yeah. Because your so first point's first... always long, so you know. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> 
And in my defense, <laughs> part of it is people always count my introduction as part of my first point. But it's different. It's a different yeah, thing. I'm setting right. up the whole sermon. <laughs> well, the the intro came from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is this weird story from World War II period that C.S. Lewis did about these kids finding a secret doorway through a wardrobe. They're like playing hide and seek, and then all of a sudden they're in another world. And this other world is like an alternate alternate universe. There's this hero that's like a lion that can talk that's supposed to kind of represent Jesus and there's this evil white witch that's like killing people and turning them to stone and Edmund, this kid he's kind of a punk in the story <laughs> and he basically gets lured in by the white witch because she gives him uh, it's called Turkish Delight, but basically she gives him dessert, you know, a sticky sweet dessert and she gives him a coat and a warm drink and promises him that she'll make him king and so it's like all the kind of, you know, promises that we betray Jesus for as well. We see Edmund then betraying the lion character, the hero of the story, and his brothers and sisters even. Um, and I, it's funny, I want to go back, maybe someone watching can, can tell me that remembers the story better than me, but I think it's the death and resurrection of the lion mm, I don't that converts Edmund from being a butthead to coming back around you know my son was saying I was talking to my son about it yesterday afternoon I was like do you remember how that went down and he's like yeah it kind of seems like Edmund is like Peter and Judas a oh, little wow. bit um, I think if I remember right mm-hmm. yeah it's it's the I mean I'll, so much of it is beautiful but yeah he mm-hmm. he's in the yeah he's he's rescued by Aslan so he feels this deep shame mm-hmm. um but he's he's already like I think he's already with Aslan and then okay. Aslan goes to die for him and uh, so it's yeah. like this whole journey of like I'm ashamed and I realize who the new the real king is but nothing can be done because I've already sold myself to the other side mm. like oh yeah. man mm. yeah it's like multiple layers mm. which is kind of how it works in our life right like we come yeah. around and we're like I think I'm going to follow Jesus and then maybe later we're like whoa I didn't realize how much he really loves me you know like it mm. goes it goes deeper still mm. So, man, so, uh, so your first point, Dave. Your first point: we betray mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. money. I thought this yeah. was really, really good because I don't, I, I don't really know if we think about it like that. Uh, do we mm-hmm. betray Jesus for money? I know in the military, um, I've seen this a lot, uh, where mm-hmm. you know it could be, say, a couple, uh, and, and they have the PCS, and then mm-hmm. one will either like say, you know what, I'm just going to stay here for this job, and they'll mm-hmm. be separated for two, three years. And it mm. never works out well. I mean, the like the yeah. odds of that working out is so slim. Or someone mm-hmm. would take a job as a contractor and they'll go overseas for like five years. And I've asked, you know, uh, I've asked men like, what, like, do you really think God wants you away from your family? Like, mm-hmm. that's not, yeah. <laughs> that's not good. Like, and they say, well, yeah. man, I, you know, I, I gotta get this money. Like, I, I gotta get this mm-hmm. house. And then they'll come back to no family. So, yeah. um, so this is this is a really applicable um, point because I don't think we really mm-hmm. think about how how we do this a lot like uh, we make yeah. decisions and things like that for money and it really it's at the sacrifice um, and the detriment mm-hmm. of our family uh, and that's for yeah. everyone uh, wives husbands I've seen this so many times in so many different ways so yeah, if you can kind of yeah. explain the uh, the context and, and and talk about some of the application for us well it's funny this is a way I wish I'd said it I didn't say in the sermon, but it's better to be poor and have a healthy family than to be rich and have an unhealthy family. Amen to that. That's just, that's just black and white, clear, 
that's the way it is. But we don't really believe that in our culture. We're like, no, no, no I can have it all, or, or it's better to have money. Maybe that hurts my family a little bit, but we're all kind of messed up, so no big deal, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's that's tough. <clears throat> well, and it's it's deeper, I think, too, to to have a lot of empathy for it. You know, like I think you did a good job of, but. Uh, say say like trying to lead a family as as the husband you know it's not just my own struggle with with money it's my desire to give my kids good things and my wife yeah. good things no doubt it's about all it. of their it's all mm-hmm. of their hearts are already sucked into it too of like why can't yeah. we just have that why can't we just go here and mm-hmm. so so the struggle's real right like i think oh, that yeah. that's just one extra layer i we didn't really touch on is it's not just the struggle with my own heart. That's bad enough, <laughs> but yeah. uh, that's the worst thing, probably. But you know, but then it's all right. this swirling. Everybody else, even in your family, mm. has that same struggle. So yeah. So there's a yeah man. Did you guys ever hear? Uh, I know Kendrick probably heard, uh, living like the Joneses. Mm. Yeah. So we grew up. My grandmother used to look. We had to. Man, I had to work for everything. I had to work for a pair mm-hmm. of jeans. Like, it was that. It was mm-hmm. crucial. And she used to say, yeah. hey, look, we don't live like the Joneses. If you want to live like the Joneses, mm-hmm. you're going to have to go somewhere else. So uh, yeah, it was always yeah. this idea of, like, live within your means. Don't try to look at other people and be them or want what they have. Mm-hmm. Really about covetousness. But uh, And I think we live in a society like that. Like, we have this cultural war mm-hmm. that tells us, like, more, 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 more. Like, you know, even in the yeah. Army, like, me and Tish has talked about this. The more you get promoted, it's almost like you got to buy a bigger house, a bigger car. You go mm-hmm. somewhere else, you got to, and it's like you don't have to do that. But our culture kind of tells us to, um, to kind of go that route. So I'm um, with you, Chris, man. It's not just us that deals with it. It's like our family. It's like everyone. Everyone is sucked up into this uh, kind of this capitalist, like, I got to have everything um, type of idea. So this is hard. This is hard to root out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a song by there's an old '90s band called Big Tent Revival, and they had a song called Two Sets of Joneses," and it just tells the story. So it's like that. We're not the Joneses, or keeping up with the Joneses idea. Yeah. And they had one one family named Jones that were poor but loved each other, and one family that had all the money but the, the family fell apart. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah drives at home but yeah I think you're right in America it's so we have a lot of money but we're also a place where people with not much money can make money you know so that's as unfair as our society may be it's still a place where compared to other societies you can work your way up you know like way more than most places and so that that aspiration I think can be good but it also in just infects everything you know like yeah. It just becomes our definition of success, making more money. and mm. Yeah, it's tricky. Because like you said earlier, too, as a dad, I, I preach this stuff. I'm going to have a solid family, worry less about money. But I feel like I'm launching my kids into college. I feel this horrible guilt over not being able to provide for them Absolutely. going into college, you know? And I can talk myself through it like, it's okay, they'll be fine, you know. There, there are other ways to do this. I don't need to have a bunch of money for them for college. But... But I still feel it, you know, because there's this pressure from the culture that makes me feel like I'm an evil dad. Amen. Um, yeah, that's, that's so... Ugh. I remember it was hard for... I remember when I first came to GBC, I remember talking to you a little bit about it. It was hard for me not to work, um, mm-hmm. to go to school, just to focus yeah. on seminary. I felt mm-hmm. so guilty of like, dude, mm-hmm. I'm not working? Like, <laughs> you know, even, yeah. 
even though I'll, I'll wake up and make money from doing nothing from retirement and disability. <laughs> but uh, I, mean, I make a full salary, man, just doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But I still just mm-hmm. the idea of like not working. It's just I had this overwhelming guilt and, and I just mm-hmm. had to talk to Tish a lot about, man, you know, you got to focus on the bigger picture. It's not about making all the money like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, we're good. We don't need all the money. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely hard to root out. Yeah, I think there's another side, too, where uh, even with, like Dave was saying, in America, there's opportunities to make money. Even with uh, individuals that have made some money or are sitting on a good bit of money, I think sometimes they can portray Jesus by uh, doing things that with their money, uh, not being good stewards over them for validation of others, right? Like you Mm -hmm. said in the military. Um, let's buy a bigger house. Let's buy a bigger car. You gotta get the seven fifty, man. The seven fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, let's get this. Let's get that. Yeah. Sometimes, even if I have a surplus, I have to stop and say, "Okay, God, let me do something with this extra that will glorify you." Because yeah, there's man. a whole lot I could do. I mean, my own desires. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's so true. And I think yeah. going back to the to passage with with Judas. Man, it's like I remember when Jesus said he was gonna, someone was gonna betray him. None of the disciples looked at Judas and was like, "It's gonna be you." Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he was just he was just walking around like normal. So I think a lot of us, mm-hmm. man, this is so this is so tough, and it's a, it takes a lot of self examination to figure out are we truly betraying Jesus as we try to climb this ladder of success and and do kind of what yeah. the culture tells us. So Dave, you can kind of walk us through like how to combat that. Like how to mm, you gave a good yeah. illustration about giving. Uh, so if you yeah. want to kind of elaborate more about combating that um, that yeah. thing in our heart. Yeah, I tried to have a, a more heart-focused application and then also a practical doing application. So the heart issues were like asking questions. How much is enough? Is there an end to it? How do you define success? Um, is there a limit? Is there a temptation? Can you even imagine like, oh, if I was given this much money, I might straight up betrayed you you know like can you walk yourself through that scenario so that you can kind of walk it back name it repent turn from it say jesus help me fight this mm-hmm. so those were more hard issues just kind of asking questions and then giving i think is the practical like the way we fight holding on to our money is the most important thing is we give some of it away like mm-hmm. that, that's how we do it you know and that's that's a hebrew tradition it's a christian mm-hmm. tradition the hebrew tradition is the tithe and it's even like multiple ties. They had seasonal ties and three. regular ties. And, you know, yeah, so, yeah, so a lot of people say it's 33%. I've heard 23 to 33%, but third. it's definitely more than 10 either way. <laughs> it's like taxes. Then, it's literally like yeah, taxes. Yeah, it's basically taxes that are like state religion mixed together. Mm-hmm. But then they also were like, some of that money was for worship. You know, some of the money they were setting aside was actually like, if we were to set aside money for, say, Christmas festivals or oh, Sabbath, yeah. Sabbath meals with a big friends. Party. That, big party. That was a part of their <laughs> yeah part of their giving matrix was celebrating and worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also did the gleaning. You know they they set aside for the, the corners of their fields. So it's like if you're going to be a farmer, you know leave leave a fruit tree on each corner that you let the poor pick from or whatever. Wait wait you know, wait, Dave, are you saying they had welfare? <laughs> I'm just, no, they had I'm to just, work for it, man. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just asking. I mean, they, they left stuff for the poor. <laughs> but go ahead, go ahead. 
Yeah. <laughs> now it's actually uh, actually funny. A friend of mine responded. So Tim Keller just did a long article on comparing the different secular forms of justice with biblical justice. Mm-hmm. And Keller used the phrase in he in the Hebrew system, the poor had a claim on mm-hmm. other people's property. He's yeah. a claim. A friend of mine reacted to it online. I don't know if you're out there. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I'm still wrestling with that because he didn't like the word claim. But it's true. too strong. And I'm like, well, I don't, well, what word would you use? I don't know. But, but the wealthy, those with land and fruit and crops, were commanded, commanded to leave yes. some of it available to the poor. So, yeah, I don't know what you call that. Claim. I mean... Man, I like I like that. And, yeah, it's fun. To, it's fun to joke about. I do think though it, that's a that's a great example of maybe unpacking what you're talking about, Dave. Where mm-hmm. it's not that the people have a claim to it. It's no. God has a claim to it. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, and so mm-hmm. that so that's a bigger you God thing. has it. Jesus is it? What did you say? I didn't hear. Cut oh, off. sorry. It, it's not that the people have have a claim necessarily directly. Mm-hmm. Like you just own part of everything I own. That's that's mm-hmm. different than everything. And God's telling me He has full claim, uh, and He's saying put this over gotcha. there. So, mm-hmm. so that's yeah, what yeah, I yeah. would say is God's got the claim. Right. <laughs> he's got to everything. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Similar to the times when you say bring these are mine. Mm-hmm. Bring it to the storehouse. These are like mine. Yeah. Yeah. Like you robbed God, me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Know? God uses very strong language for that. And then it's interesting that you bring that forward in the New Testament. It's not a percentage. It's not like die hard. Mm-hmm. It's got to be, you know, 11.5% for benevolence and then 13% for missionaries and 12% for the church. You know, it's like, it's not clarified. It's just like set aside Free will. some Free will planet and do it because you believe Jesus was generous to you. So now you be generous to others. Mm-hmm. And that generosity is, I think, you can divide it most simply into word and deed generosity. Like I would encourage people, if you're giving... Give to word ministries and give to deed ministries. Sometimes they overlap, but generally, like, to cover your bases, that's a way to think about it. You want to get the word out because people need Jesus, and you want to do deeds of, of mercy. And uh, But I also think there's this crazy story with Ananias and Sapphira in the oh, book of Acts yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where they were all giving and sharing, and it was this communal living among the apostles, and they lied about it and said, we're giving you all our stuff. Struck and Peter was like... Why'd you lie? It's your stuff. You didn't have to give it, which is a great case study of like, it was free will yes. communism or free will sharing. It wasn't forced communism. You know, so a lot of Christians are real hardcore. Like, we don't like communism. It's scary, and I agree. I don't. I don't like top down forced generosity. I don't think that works very well on the human heart. But Christians should be free will generous. You know, like we should want to give. So Peter mm. makes that like. Dude, it's okay if you wanted to give half. Just don't lie about it. Like, give, yeah. give from your heart. You know? I like, I like that illustration because it seems like from the Old Testament with a theocracy of like you're commanded mm-hmm. to give this portion to the mm-hmm. poor. It seems like it, it migrates to the New Testament where that same precedent should be in your heart. Like, it shouldn't be yeah. like, oh, now that I'm in free, now I have freedom. I'm just not going to give. Like, no, it's like yeah, yeah. that same that like that same perspective. That God had, mm-hmm. it seems like it should translate even more so, like it did in Acts with communal giving. Mm-hmm. Of like, it was mm-hmm. way more than ten percent. It was like, dude, we're gonna give everything, yeah. make a community, and then we're just gonna provide for one another. So it was like ten, mm-hmm. times ten what it was in the Old Testament. But we get really yeah. weird about like, whoa, wait, I have to give to the poor, and it's just like, man, mm-hmm. yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. you do. Like, God has a heart for the poor, a mm-hmm. huge heart for the yeah, poor. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then some people would say, well, gleaning works way better than modern welfare because gleaning, they actually had to go get up and go get it. You know what I mean? So you're actually showing them <laughs> more dignity, blah, blah, blah. You know, like they have to work for it. And I think, I think there's some truth to that. I think yeah. some... Well, I think those I think those are good points because you want you there's some there's dignity in work like period there's dignity in in earning and not just just getting something like yeah I totally I, I get that so I just wanted to ask you guys did you do from from a practical standpoint do you have like a decision matrix that you kind of have when you make these decisions about money and family and success and all these things like if you get if opportunities come your way like do you have a decision matrix where you say well you know what I'm not going to take this opportunity because it's going to impact my family or I'm going to take it because of the money. Like, do you kind of walk through certain things in your mind or with your family to make decisions? <laughs> but, but Dave, you have like maybe speaking engagements or things like that, like where... Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> what about you guys, Kendrick, Chris? Yeah, I, uh, oh, I've had to make that decision. Well, cause you, wait, wait, Kendrick, 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 you've already said, like, I'm not going to be controlled by nobody. So, so. <laughs> hey, Kmit Tish use that all the time, brother, just to let you know. My <laughs> decision-making process is, firstly, I'm like, okay, just give me a moment to pray, and then I have to be able to lead, my wife and love my wife then I have to be able to love my son and teach my son I have to have time to do those things because I was making money before uh, about two years ago but I would only see my son on the weekends I was up so early leaving that he'd be asleep and I'd get back so late that he'd still be asleep so I, I was yeah. like I can't I can't do this I think now I'm chasing something 
um, that's not beneficial to either one of us, uh, mm. which is just more money, more power, more success, climbing up the corporate world. And uh, not to say climbing in the corporate world is bad, but I think if there's this inclination of greed behind it almost, then yeah, that's sinful. And uh, mm. So my decision-making is that. For me, those are big things is I have to have time to be able to love and lead and leave my home and if, and if I can't make money um, I think it's different if I have to go somewhere and travel but I mean locally if I can't make money without seeing my family uh, that day or every day probably probably not Amen Amen Yeah this is really funny because literally Saturday I think <laughs> I was redoing our budget like like looking at every single category and saying, okay, what are we doing? What are we planning to do? Do we actually have money to do that? And so this is really, <laughs> this was too, this was too real for me and my wife, Dave. So I'm, I'm mad at you now. Yeah, we got to talk. We're gonna have words later. Oh, no, man. I, it, it's a, it's such a struggle. I and I think what's funny is, um, it, it's trying to answer this question. Help me see this, like. I think it really is this connection between specific choices and your your life pursuit. Or, mm, amen. You know, this high, so high up, this high up level of worldview and how that affects everything. And and so, but it's it's strange because we so so my wife, I, you know, obviously full time ministry, um, can, and it can start feeling like a corporate job sometimes if I let it. You know, um, just tackle the tasks tackle the things you know but we do we i think this high importance of people right like i said a long time ago just came across this idea like people are the currency of heaven like you don't get to bring anything else but but souls to heaven right you don't get to bring any of your stuff any of your accomplishments it doesn't you know that's not centered around the kingdom of god and that is around people right that's his highest treasure um, here on earth, and so, so we've kind of, uh, hopefully, we're trying. My wife, you know, my wife and I and our family are trying to build this life around serving and loving God and loving people, right? But then we find ourselves in these moments. What are we doing? Like we, oh no, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough life insurance. We don't have enough. This or this stuff broke down. I've got this tree that's falling <laughs> over that I gotta spend five thousand dollars to remove. Like, what is going on? It, it, so you find this is a perfect, I think, example of like, like reading a story and then being in the story, and that you have these moments of just like, okay, here's the reckoning. Here's the here's the rubber meets the road, and it is not fun, but you do have to have like I think that's a little moment of between my wife and I where we're like. Oh man, maybe we made all the wrong decisions. Maybe we're doing all the wrong things. But, but I think through through the help of the Bible and through the help of Dave, it's like, okay, no, 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 calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take a breath and say, all the pain we have, not all of it, but a lot of the pain we have is pain we chose because life is a work truck. We're supposed to be work truck. <laughs> we're supposed to be using our lives for for a specific mission. Yes. And it's going to hurt and we're going to get banged up, but that is bigger than than buying comfort whenever we can and so having a, like having that. a bucket of money to save us if anything goes wrong, you know. Um, so I don't know if that helps, but that I think that's where the struggle really comes down and the, and the truth of it is yeah, <laughs> being Frodo in the Lord 
things feels a lot like this is terrible and, and it's never going to work out. And, but you got to remember, there's a bigger story and there's an author in charge of it, and Amen. it's going to work out. So. I think one of, one of the things you said, I know one of the things that's helped me real quick is that uh, Tish and I, we always had a, um, a what, did they drop off? Keep going. I think he's going to come back. Uh, okay. so <laughs> he hung up on us. Tish and I, we always had a, uh, a marriage mission. So, um, you know, a marriage mission, just something kind of, Chris, you alluded to it, where you have this overall view of like, what is your mission for your family? And we've, you know, we even did that in our marriage class, teaching people how to def- how to write a marriage mission. And from that mission derives literally everything uh, that comes from that, how you spend your money, how you spend your time, uh, how you serve, things like that. So that has helped us kind of like narrow our focus. Um, and because without that, it's kind of hard, kind of like all over the place. So I'm glad that you brought that up, man, about it's all about your life pursuit. And then it goes down from there. And, and our life pursuit is, we just defined it in a marriage mission. So uh, I guess for people out there, I definitely say, you know, do that somehow, some way. Sit down with your family and say, what is, like, what is our mission for our family? And then your money is always going to be attributed to things that you are important. <laughs> so, so, yeah. To you. Yeah. It may not be <laughs> important to you. <laughs> so, well, that, whether it be spinners uh, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Rams well, and that's, music. That's the interesting way to put it, maybe. You're helping me yeah, think through this. Like Another way to put it is I think we tend to, as Americans, make our money purchase, like our purchase decisions one at a time. Right. And that to you like i've made all of these decisions about money one thing at a time and then all of a sudden i find myself in a situation where i've already decided how my life is going to look but i did it i like i made a thousand little decisions that put me in a corner mm-hmm. and i can't do anything else right yeah versus versus like like you like sort of have so that's my question people listening maybe have you sat down and said what's the point of my life yes right like what it, why am i even here why do i exist Absolutely. what 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 am i supposed to accomplish with my life and then that tells you or no on the little decisions mm. but if you if you start with the little decisions one at a time which is what we tend to do you're yourself already having made a big decision you mm. didn't realize right yeah. You made it a thousand tiny steps at a time, and now you're in a place where you can't go anywhere else. You can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. So, like yeah. flame, like flame said, you can always start over, right? So, so we can mm-hmm. um, we can start over. Uh, one thing, uh, Chris, I don't know if you can do this, but I'll send you. Uh, we wrote up how to do a mission. Um, so I'll send cool. it to you if you want to use it as a resource for the church or post it somewhere. You can. Um, because it, it walks through how do you how you look at your own uh, your own skills and, and talents and things and how you correlate that with your spouse or if you're single you can just do it for yourself and and then it's gonna walk through this whole process of truly defining a short sentence that you can always remember so you can always literally make decisions based off of that it's almost like a family rally cry like this is who we are this is what we for. Um, so it can be really empowering. Mm. So as Dave, he says he's gonna re- he's trying to reboot his computer. So while he does that, man, we're just gonna move on to the next point, uh, <laughs> and he'll and I'm sure he'll he'll sure he'll come on. So Dave's next point was um, uh, we betray so that we can be king. Woo, man, this was this was uh, mm. definitely provocative. Who I don't know who want to admit that that's just what they do, but. <laughs> but but I think a lot of us do that. Like the Jewish leaders, we also want, he said, uh, like the Jewish leaders, we also want power. 
He said, and I love this, that we need to study the Pharisees and Jewish leaders in the Gospels because they like they are like us. They study the Bible and try to do what it says. And man, how often do that we see that today? I think it's so apropos because in politics we see that, in all these different things we see it. Um, I love my man Terry Crews, who's a Christian. He, he said, "Hey, you know, one of his fears was that in this whole like Black Lives Matter movement was that he never he didn't want to get to Black Lives Better because that would mean mm-hmm. that people would be trying to get uh, uh, power." And once you try to get power, man, you'll do anything. <laughs> so, and so I think this is a, and so it, hel- it was helpful to me to hear another brother say that as well, because you don't want to get sucked up into those type of things, no matter what it is. Uh, and then you find yourself trying to just, you just want power and it shouldn't, that's not what our chase should be. Um, so I thought this was cool. What are you guys, how did this guy, how did you guys, uh, how did this impact you guys when you heard this? How did it hit you? I'm on a <laughs> uh, a short like little thing right now to encourage people in my community to go vote, working on ways to get them transportation for the polls, right? And and I think a big thing is when I first started was okay, I could I could tell people how I'd like them to vote, or I could just encourage them to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like taking because moving, you know, even with uh, I, I forgot where I heard this from, but someone was saying, give the Sadducees and the Pharisees, now Dave was saying that, give them a little credit. You know, they were trying to keep the law. <laughs> they, were. Uh, they were trying to, you know, uh, obey the scriptures. But in that, in pursuing that only, the good deed, without pursuing Jesus, I think is how we end up on the power trip. Yes. Um, whether we say, uh, this is my moral belief, you know, this is my spiritual belief, so you have to be this way, uh, you have to vote this way, you have to do this thing. And I think it's easy to get sucked up in, um, even if we don't want the power, trying to find ways to give what we desire to others or trying to find ways to people that we look up to that are in power, move them farther in power to just farther our agenda to even give us more power, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just me thinking, I was talking to someone that was like, he says, uh, we have to vote for this person because it'll let me do a thousand more things as a state representative. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like uh, everybody's looking for another like level of power, another mm-hmm. set of they, they looking for another. They're looking for another king. They're looking for a soul. What starts happening is we start uh, going after this power and we start forgetting, if you will, like how powerful Christ actually is. Yes, yes. And how he actually keeps our hearts from being that disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a powerful thing because we can't vote how he uh, convicts us. We can't, you know, we can't work our way to heaven or any of that, man. So thinking this power chase, when we start chasing things and, and we lose sight of, of Christ, uh, man, we can easily uh, portray him. Even in just starting, like I was saying, starting small, encouraging people to vote can lead to, you have to vote this way, you know, mm-hmm. just to vote and trust God and, and, and uh, let him lead you. Go through the scriptures, search the scriptures and vote what you believe, um, that you believe Jesus is, is telling us to vote as Christian. Amen, amen. Mm-hmm. 
I think another thing, another thing that helps helps me is when I look back at like the first century church, um, and certainly in Rome, uh, how they had really no power. <laughs> uh, they Rome was in charge, but the church was so united, like they were so uh, just united on their principles. While the government had so many things that was going wrong, they had infanticide, they were throwing babies in the streets, things like that. But the but the Christians were known were known for being great citizens. They were known for being good citizens. They were known for helping the poor. They were known for caring for the sick, and they were known for going to pick up babies in the street and caring for them and taking them into their home. So I say that to say is that we can get so caught up in politics and these these things like, hey, you know, I got a abortion. I hate abortion. I'm going to vote for it. Like, and I get it. I'm a, I'm against abortion too. And I'm just using that as an example. But we lose sight of like what we can do on the ground. Like no matter what the government does, no matter what it is on the ground, we can impact heart. Laws do not change heart. They restrain evil, but they don't change hearts. So we as a community, as Christians, can do so much where we continue these crisis pregnancy centers for that in that regard, for that subject. Uh, and we do more for the ladies who deal with that or the families that deal with that. And don't get so caught up into it has to be a law. Like I get it, but it's so much more we can do. And I and I harken back on the first century church and how they had to respond in the midst of like a government that was going crazy. Um, and they wasn't so caught up with power, but they was caught up in the power of Jesus and the power power of loving people. And that example impacted that government because they they didn't they didn't make any political noise. They just literally love people. And that impacted the government. That example, they like, man, like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I think if we if we kind of take some of those nuggets of wisdom from our brothers and sisters in that century, we could go a long way today. Yeah, yeah, that's really fascinating. I, I think the, um, the what comes to mind for me with the power struggle is I think what we what what I think we're often really talking about is how to have power and like Kendrick mentioned. Um, and I think it's really to realize that I, I see this in me, myself and, and you know, people all around me, we, you know, the believers, we have this unintentional, we call it like functional deism, meaning, meaning God spun the world and, you know, he's, he spun it up and now he's walked away and he's somewhere and he's not actually doing anything anymore. He just left it all up to us to, to figure it out. And so so there's this sense of um, almost, almost kind of an underlying panic of if I don't do something, nothing's going to happen. Or if I don't do it right, nothing's going to happen. Same, you know, right? Like with the vote stuff or whatever. Like if I don't vote right, if we don't vote right, it's all over. Beca- mm-hmm. And what you're really saying is it's all up to me or it's all up to us. Yes. Um, yes. And I think, and I think, that's the collision and that's 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 where a lot of the battle between um correct christian action and christian whatever you want to call it activism and sort of an unintentionally twisted version of that is are you actually praying (laughs) are you actually like like i mean really right like stop and think how many times per day are you praying about things that you're worried about and that you're actively trying to fix is you know is God an active character in the story or not? Or is it just you're the main character? It's all up to you. Um, 
And so I think I really do think a lot in all of these conversations is we we jump quickly to outward action, at least conversationally. Right. Thank we're you. all yes, bad at really yes, yes. we're all doing it in real, you know. But but we we skip over the character part. We skip Absolutely. over the like, what are you doing alone? What are you doing every day alone? Yes, yes. Um, yes. The, the verses that came that came to mind for me, and I think apply somewhat here is um, that uh, well, it's the First Timothy four um, eight. I think for physical training is of some oh, value, yeah. but godliness has value for all things, hmm. holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And so I think that's that's man. That's just the the struggle that we that is super attached to this whole conversation, and I. Burn here too, right? Like, like, what am I doing alone? What am I doing consistently? Who am I? And yeah. you can't wait. Again, don't wait for perfection to to go out there because God is still an actively working. He started a work in you. He's going to continue. But you do have to watch out when you're running in a certain way when everyone sees you and you're sitting down. On- you're home alone, right? You're you're not actually. You don't really have a relationship. You don't really believe God is the true mover, and so I think that's what that's a um, again. Like I'm not saying either or. I'm saying both and, right? Like chase after a good change, chase absolutely, after loving absolutely. others. But but if you're only doing that, if you're only doing the outworkings, and you're not actually uh, abiding in the vine of Christ, like then something's wrong. It's a twisted version. And all of your working is going to be unintentionally preaching a different gospel. Mm -hmm. All up to us and it's all up to me. So, I don't... Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, hopefully that makes sense. And so, so, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, also, hey, Dave is back. I think also uh, something that we got to keep in mind, and Dave kind of mentioned this before, we talked about Christian advantage. And one of the things that he had mentioned was some of the greatest growth in the church happened through persecution. So we live in a country that we have advantage and we have religious freedom. And we can get, and I believe this personally, that we can get so caught up into maintain, which, hey, look, I don't want to go to jail either. But we can, get so, we can get so caught up in maintaining that that it becomes the us versus them instead of like, look, no matter what happens, man, I'm, I'm going to pursue the gospel. And in that, some of the greatest growth comes from persecution. And and so I think we can get so we can be it could be dangerous to have like Dave, what they call this Christian, try to pursue this Christian advantage. And sometimes that Christian advantage becomes just morality. It becomes Pharisee like it just becomes like, hey, this is the law. And I don't see anything else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you get so tunnel vision of like this is the law, and it becomes the us versus them instead of like uniting as a body. And we may endure persecution because of what we are doing in the community on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like our mm-hmm. man, we push for policies, and I think Dave said it best. Is like I'm sorry, Chris said it earlier, but it's both and. Yes, push for change. But if that change doesn't come in policy and likelihood, like I said, policy can only restrain evil. It don't change hearts. Our goal is to change hearts, is to allow the Holy Holy Spirit to work through us, give us opportunities to minister to people so he can work to change hearts. That's our goal. Uh, You know, so I think it can be like flipped. (laughs) (laughs) So we got to be careful with that. 
So Dave, yeah, we yeah, we yeah. on we I on. Know this, I missed something, yeah. but that reminds me of the new covenant written on our hearts, which is different mm-hmm. than the old covenant. Yeah, separate from one thing, Dave. To bring you bring you back in here, uh, you used the illustration. I think you stole it from it. Now just playing, but <laughs> no. But uh, I've used this. I've used this in marriage class. I used this uh, maybe three times. The video uh, from Johnny Cash really impacted me. Oh, so um, yeah. I've used different layers of the video, uh, especially the, mm-hmm. the the one with the the banquet, and he's pouring out the. The, the wine and his hand is shaking yeah. and it's like he's wasting like the communion like literally like it's yeah. like he's wasting the blood of Jesus uh, if you want to mm. just kind of walk through that illustration and, and why you chose it and things like that yeah I just think it's a it's a great picture I think because Cash does have some kind of faith I mean he's you know gone on record talked about it obviously he was never no, no kind of perfect man you know but he's he's got some kind of faith and and so he had a introspective awareness that he had wasted much of his life and he saw that he had fame and fortune and that it was like decaying, you know? Like here's this man that's dying in his museum that's dead <laughs> <laughs> with a banquet, you know, just the, the, the what's that called, juxtaposition? Mm-hmm, got, you know, like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. beautiful banquet, dying old man, dead old museum to his music you know which is true life it was real life yeah it was yeah it was really this old museum that nobody went to anymore that was falling apart and then it burned down later Mm -hmm. and he died a year later you know like and he just had this self-awareness of it uh i I think of james where james says let the poor boast in their high position and the rich boast in their low position i'm i'm paraphrasing but you know like let the rich boast in the reality that they are just a blade of grass, that they are fleeting, you know? <laughs> They're just passing away. Mm-hmm. There's something about that. Those of us that have money, if we're Americans or if we have power, if we have money or if we have influence, there's something deeply spiritual about boasting in the transientness of it. Like, oh, yeah, I know this is all just going to burn up and go away. You know, I got I to gotta make the most of the moment to love Jesus and love other people because this is all falling apart. So I, I guess that was the beauty I saw of Cash's like awareness. Johnny Cash was mm-hmm. like, I'm aware. This is all just falling apart. It's all decaying. Empire of and dirt. The, mm-hmm. the power of man, if an, anyone at the end of their life talking back to those of us who aren't quite at the end of our life, that's, mm-hmm. you got to listen. <laughs> you got to listen to Amen. people who are, who are walking mm-hmm. out of this thing and say, what do you wish you'd done differently? Um, yeah. I think we've been going pretty long, so I, I, we might need to keep cooking forward. But I did. We got a great question. I thought in the in the chat, I wanted to bring up if we could. Did you see that come up, uh, Dave? I posted in there. Anyway, oh, we yeah. got a question. It says, "Why do you think American Christianity presses for, for policies to avoid persecution?" Mm. Could, yeah. About Jesus promising persecution, I might mm. throw it to Dave first because just just for time's sake. But I know we all probably have thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do think, I was trying to express this, there's a common sense self-preservation. I'm trying to, the way I've taught this in the past is Christians don't pursue suffering and persecution, but we embrace it when it comes. Like, we know it's coming, and we embrace it for the kingdom, you know, beatitudes, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. So, we know there is genuine blessing and gospel transformation in our suffering and persecution, but that doesn't mean we pursue it. And I just think that's a hard line to walk. Um, so where it gets you know, distasteful is, I think, 
fundamentalists that don't love people that are fighting for their rights gets kind of gross. You know, that doesn't seem very Christian-y. But there is a common sense, like, do I want to get thrown in jail or not thrown in jail? I think, you know, LAE referenced that. So there, there's a common sense, preservation of our life, preservation of our rights, working for money, taking care of our family. You know, there's just a common sense. Jesus doesn't condemn us pursuing those things. He just pers- He just condemns us pursuing those ultimately, like they will save us, I think. And to mm-hmm. me, that is the, the overall, that's the paradox of the Christian life, uh, of all of it. You know, like, I have gifts, I like to teach, but boy, that could quickly become idolatry, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a gift I'm to use for God's glory. I have money. It's a gift from God. I can use that money to have fun. I can use that money to feed my family. I can use that money to serve the poor. I should use it to glorify God. But when it switches over to being like my God, then then I'm in big trouble. You know, and I think every gift is that way. Everything that we're good at, we can turn into a idol. But that doesn't mean we burn it, right? God wants us to use our gifts for His glory. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the trick. Again, in our our current political climate, everything's all or nothingism. You're you're all on one side or you're all on the other. You know, uh, so it can't be like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Thing that just quick, real quick occurred to me that I hadn't really mm-hmm. thought about too is when we talk about policies, t- there is a selfish way to pursue policies, but there's mm-hmm. also an unselfish way. And so, yeah. so like when you're talking about policies that avoid persecution, say for the church, right? Mm-hmm. We want the church to have free. Well, for one, I would love everyone to have freedom in this, in this right? Like, yeah. so it's not just me, but also I, I do, I would say, let's vote for, like, think about other members of the church and the other churches in America. So it's not, it becomes mm-hmm. a different uh, thing than just I'm trying to protect myself. It's like, yeah, yeah to the best of my ability, I'm trying to protect others. Like, I can take, you know, like I can take mm-hmm. a slap to the face. I can, you know, but I do think there's a sense of responsibility for the other, like love your neighbor. Yeah. And and my, my Christian brothers and sisters are part of that. You know, I, that's not to the exclusion of any other religion or the exclusion of anybody else, but uh, I, that's just the thing I had thought about too. Policies mm-hmm. don't just affect me, or if any benefit comes to me, I have to avoid it. But I do think a better way to think of it: how how do I help other people? Right? Like, yeah. well, I'm going to vote for policies that help other people. Let's do it. You I know. And if I happen one. to be in there, cool. I mean, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that's good. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ken. And I think too, it's uh, you know, Hebrews 12 is it's it's saying that's good, that. Good. Uh, keep, keep our eyes on Jesus and then it says that like, he endured the joy that was set before him mm-hmm. he endured this cross but then we see this fighting in Matthew 26 when he's in Gethsemane like okay my eyes are <laughs> the cross but if there's another way to get yes, this yes. done yeah. then I'm just asking so I think for a persecution that's sort mm-hmm. of the stance that I take it's like I'm walk. I'm walking this race with joy, following mm-hmm. Christ. It's the it's the greatest thing. But mm-hmm. if there's another way to spread the gospel without this persecution, I'm praying for that way. <laughs> Thing, yeah. Or push yeah. for things that's going to impact people. The great commandments, right? Love God and love people. So the policies impact that. Hey, go for it. Uh, that's why I try to always say, man, neither neither red, blue. I don't really get into mm-hmm. all all things. Who, who you should choose. 
Me personally, I think you should just be apolitical, where you can just be neutral and be like, hey, I'm just going to vote for things that love people and love God, no matter who it comes from. It doesn't really matter. Because um, I think if you, once you start choosing signs, you become divisive, and it, especially as Christians. And even now, we, the term evangelicalism has become political. It used to be a beautiful term. Now it's just political. So that's kind of sad. Um, so now, like, mm. like Chris said, we got to move on, man. So now our third point, <laughs> our third point and then we can get out of here. We got we to about 10 minutes um, <laughs> the third point you made Dave was uh, we betray to survive we betray to survive so if you want to walk us through that you, Peter obviously is the, mm. the main character of this yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think Peter you show it's cool because there's like this bravery right <laughs> like he's the first one to lunge at the guy with the sword mm. and I was thinking about this more in the evening service. When Jesus takes away your power, you're even more afraid, right? Like, I'm backed into a corner, Jesus. All right, I'm going to pull out my sword and whack a dude's ear off. And Jesus is like, no, don't do that. And you're like, so what? You want me to be unarmed and just get killed, Jesus? You know, so so there was an extra layer of, this is not just a cowering, fearful person that has no recourse to protect himself. This is the toughest of the apostles, right? Like, Peter was the fighter that pulled out the sword. And Jesus said no. So then then he's like, well, what do I do now? You know, so I think that might be even more helpful to think about. We feel like, okay, I know a way out, but God told me not to use that way out, so now I'm really messed up, you know? <laughs> like, how do, how do I survive? Uh, which wraps back around to the money thing, like, Okay, God, uh, you know, f- for people in ministry, okay, God, all my friends, when they went to graduate school, they came out, you know, with these big paying jobs. I went to graduate school and came out, you know, with a teacher's salary. So, you know, how that, that doesn't, how am I going to take care of my family? You know, so there's the fear thing connected to money. They all kind of wrap together. Like, how am I going to take care of my family, Jesus, if you're mm. taking away my ability to take care of my family? You know, uh, and you just get afraid and you start to scramble and that, mm. that's why you just have to go back to like okay wait no Jesus knows what he's doing Jesus is king I love that picture of yeah, Jesus standing yeah. up and saying take me don't take them and you're like okay he's, he's looking out for me you know the cross is our ultimate change of mind about the heart of God mm-hmm. before we thought God was trying to squish us and we see the cross we're like oh, okay wait he's not really trying to squish me he's, mm. he's actually saving me so I can trust him when things get tough. You know, things are getting tough. Things are getting scary. I'm worried about the cancer, or I'm worried about the bills, or I'm worried about the people that are mad at me, or whatever, you know, whatever it is that's pressing in on you that makes you feel fearful. But I look at the cross again. I see yeah, Jesus standing up good. for me. That's good. Okay, I can do this. Um, I think, man, that that, that I think you said yeah. it ties into money. It also ties into the the, the power thing. Like, mm, but but power, I think yeah, yeah. I have a really specific. I went. I was just going down. It's like, so, so Peter. Another sort of the context is, you know, the Jews are oppressed by the Romans. Everyone's looking for for the king, the physical earthly king. The disciples still have that somewhere in their head of here's the Messiah. Right, right, right. What the right, Messiah right. was going to do, he was going to save us from the Romans, or you know, yeah, he's yeah. going to set us physically Power. free. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. there's this. I think there's this strategy of God versus strategy of man thing for sure right like mm-hmm. in, in that sense peter did the total logical thing 
this I'm he's like this is a physical upright <laughs> physical freedom and mm-hmm. so what I'm gonna do what I'm gonna right, do is right, start right, the right, war right. man I'm not gonna yeah. let them take my king like they can't take this but what's happening is is Jesus is is still he's been trying to teach them this time but they're still learning like we all are that it's not the strategy I think makes the most sense it's whatever God God's goals and God's strategy are what's going to work. And I just mm. want to, I think I want to challenge people right now that, that this can be applied to the church, the local church. Absolutely. Jesus started the church and he said, here's my strategy. And so we keep being tempted by like, let's say, oh, well, yeah, churches get things wrong. Yeah, churches do, you know, do things that, that they shouldn't or things that don't mm-hmm. seem successful. But guess what? God said, that's my strategy, right? Like, and so we got to be careful to, to mm-hmm. really are in this this land of, okay, the church idea, let's throw this away. So many people, especially, mm-hmm. like, you know, I feel certain generations are like, ah, it's failed. It doesn't work. So let's go on to the another one thing. You know, Absolutely. And that's, that's picking up your sword and chopping off ears, right? Like It's like God said, no, I got a goal and I got a plan and let's, let's work the plan and let's do it well. Let's make it and beautiful and and lovely as we can but we can't just say nope exactly i, I found a exactly. better plan jesus you didn't the, think the about political the political bang <laughs> here, oh yeah. here we go right uh, kendrick you have so anything anyway. about this one yeah i think uh sometimes we think that some somehow god doesn't have experience exactly. with mm. um, flight or fight mode or exactly. <laughs> you know mm. or with with one of his children being backed in the corner you know like as mm. if he's un well as if he doesn't know what's going on or anything uh, I think uh, uh, um, what's interesting is um, uh, a he could have called 10,000 a legion scary a legion of them and it's like mm-hmm. nah but that's not like that's this, scary but that's not the kingdom that i'm building <laughs> yeah. this is the kingdom that i'm building over here in mm-hmm. um to those who don't believe you know the cross is foolish but mm-hmm. it looks like uh he didn't have a way out it, it looks like if you just read the story at face value without understanding the gospel that jesus lost until you keep going and see that the resurrection happened and mm-hmm. i think that it was purposeful him going through that and mm. i think uh a lot of times even in my own life i have to stop and say okay is this something that i'm supposed to walk with you through or am mm. i just praying that you get me out of get me out of it get me out of it get me out of it you know like maybe this is a beautiful moment in the valley that i can walk with you and in your sovereignty mm. that you will bring me through this whatever the end looks like mm. um and st- opposed to fighting um or i guess wrestling against him and and whatever plans that he has and praying that he would change his minds on the plans that he has for my life because yeah. that's not the way i think survival or I, that's not the way i think it looks like and my survivor instinct says these are the only ways mm-hmm. um, you know but god in his sovereignty is like no this is the way these are the plans that i have for you i know it's best for you and so i think sometimes we kick against exactly uh, still like you uh, god was telling us why are you kicking against mm-hmm. the prison exactly man? what's uh, still you doing <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we kick against God and us trying to survive, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes we have to lean into the ugliness of life. Like mm-hmm. maybe this is something think, that I, I'm I supposed think to think God has kind of set us God up God here do. in America in a unique mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. where with you know with everything that's going on is really showing our metal. And I think uh, I think uh, you know we got you got to get to the point that 
mm-hmm. everything that we do, like Chris was saying earlier, man, is it about loving God and loving people, period, no matter what. I, I think that, you know, we have to have this mm-hmm. filter of, like, the decisions mm-hmm. that I make, the policies that I choose, the conversations that I have, are there are they about pursuing love for God and love for neighbor, period? Like, it's mm-hmm. not about power. It's not about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. about God's plan, which was love God and love people. And that may come that may come under suffering. That may come under persecution. That may be a that may be yeah. an unpopular choice. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was saying, even with Terry Crews, he's getting blasted because mm-hmm. he stuck up mm-hmm. for his Christian value of unity. And how he's getting blasted by the black community um, because he's made an unpopular choice. And I think we have to do that in, no matter who you are. Um, you have to be able to stick up for what God has said. This is, is this about love? Like, if, we, if I make a political decision, how does that impact people? Like, it can, is it just about the law or is it about loving people? Hmm. Period. Like, and, and I think we we got to come to, come to that realization. And Peter, mm-hmm. man, when mm-hmm. I think about think about him betraying him, I love what Jesus did at the end when you brought it up. He brought him back to the charcoal fire, <laughs> man. So even when we make mistakes, <laughs> God, mm-hmm. Jesus comes back mm-hmm. around and comforts us. Uh, you know, showing that level of grace, man. Yeah, dude, uh, and that's a cool connection with. Kendrick mentioned fight or flight. (laughs) We think God doesn't understand our fight or flight response because if you study the world of therapy, you know, part of what therapy is doing is taking your brain, your brain rut from trauma back through that rut and trying to smooth it out a little bit, right? So when you talk about a hard thing with a Christian counselor or with a Christian friend and they cry with you and you pray through that, that's like reworking that memory in your brain, you know? And that's what Jesus was doing with this whole charcoal mm-hmm. fire thing. You think Jesus doesn't know how we how we operate? You know, <laughs> he was taking Peter right back to that experience and saying, "We're going to reform this memory. We're going to reshape it, and then I'm going to I'm going to send you out of it. I'm going to take this pain pain point, and we're going to use all right, this." As all right, a gentlemen, pad we got we're going to get out of here. I want everyone uh, if you can go around mm-hmm. and, and can you give us can you give the audience mm-hmm. one thing that you want them to. You want them to do this week. Tish, we always ask our small group, and you learned all of this. What are you going to do with it? So, what is one? What is one of your charges to mm-hmm. the audience? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can and we can uh, wrap it up with that. All right. I would say, uh, uh, earnestly pray and ask ask God to show you ways that uh, <laughs> you betray Him. I know. Mm-hmm. You, we all don't think that we ever, <laughs> never would portray the Holy One of Israel. But just, pray and, you know, sincerely ask God, show me things that mm-hmm. um, I have turned to in, instead of you, or I have mm. sold my time mm. or sold my efforts for instead of you. Mm. That's good. Uh, I go back to, in the time of divisiveness, uh, to just prayerfully, graciously get to know other people, hear their story, understand them. I think, going back to, to Jesus, taking Peter back through that story, I'm just more and more convinced that there's this like beautiful physical and spiritual healing that takes place when we as Christians mm-hmm. listen to people's hurt and hurt with them and 
give the blessing of presence. You know, sometimes we don't know what to say. Just the blessing of calm presence is healing. Sometimes we have words of wisdom. We don't need to even have words of wisdom. Sometimes we have that, and we can pray for them. But just those basics are huge. And in a time of division where we're just kind of throwing, like, here's my idea on social media, what if we just talked mm-hmm, to each other good, more? You know, I just I keep coming back to that. I think that's really important. Man, I yeah, my brain's all over the place, but I I think uh, I guess I guess I would just say back to some of the stuff we were talking about. Roots roots bear fruit. Like like we can't just talk about like the the fruit is a is a evidence of of whether we're betraying Jesus or not. But even our our righteousness is a rags and we so i'm thinking just this like keeping our eyes private moments um especially now we're we're so alone so i guess my my two things are just are you are you spending still in the pandemic are you are you doing what it takes to to get quiet and get alone with jesus and then are you continuing to fight for togetherness with others following jesus and i think I, I just we, the pastors we've been talking a lot about what does church look like now right what is it becoming um, and I and the thing is like it's going to take some changes to the way we we used to do things we we kind of know that but we weren't ready to really embrace it and so I'm I'm just thinking like Dave's been saying call people you know I, I'm a like right between Gen X and Millennial or whatever and I don't like calling people like he he joked about but it's like. It's like I'm gonna have to build new muscles that I didn't have to use before in order to follow Jesus with other people, and I think that's that's the thing we we've resisted really just going hard after. Like we want, we want church to go back to the way it was, and for the foreseeable, it's not it's not maybe now, maybe ever. And the thing is, we got we can't just keep waiting around. But so. Are we having sweet time alone with Jesus, and are we finding new ways to do togetherness, chasing after? Because I'm never going to notice when I'm approaching Jesus as well as someone who's actually in my life, seeing me from the outside. I would say, uh, for me, I think Nicole Hannah-Jones said something that was really Mm -hmm. profound. She said that you can't have equality and advantage at the same time. So, um, So for me, as a Christian, thinking about unity, you can't really have a lot of unity if you're always trying to have an advantage. So, so with, with unity, typically, it's going to be an absence of power mm-hmm. because you are uniting around something. Uh, and so I think, you know, we have to get to the point as believers mm-hmm. that we don't, want to, we don't want to push for power. We just want to push for unity. Uh, and, and, and so I just challenge everyone with this. And Dave, mm-hmm. you kind of gave a charge to us, and I'll just piggyback off of yours of repenting of religion, power, politics, matrix, like repenting of that and moving towards what God commands us, and that's to love God and love people. Mm-hmm. And typically, that's, that's going to be an absence of power, and you denying that advantage mm-hmm. of, in the sake of unity. And so I think we have to pursue that, man. Um, if not, it's mm-hmm. always going to be us versus them. It's going to be you know, top versus mm-hmm. down. And as Christians, man, it's just a, you know, like you brought up Acts. Everyone gave up what they had for the community. And we have to get, we have to, we, I think we just have to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, man, so this is, this is awesome. Awesome conversation. Great mm-hmm. recap, Dave. Awesome sermon. I know not only us talking about it, I know that a member, a lot of members of the body of Christ at our church are going to talk about it. Um, and so, man, just keep these, 
nuggets of wisdom of everyone that's out there and let's apply them this week and and i guess forevermore right and so i will see see everyone back next week i think uh joy will be back uh, maybe <laughs> we'll we'll see if not hey you know i'm always willing to pinch it for the crew uh man we love you guys and man god bless you have a have a blessed week we out